so uh, several years ago, I was, um, uh, had committed to doing a, performing a wedding ceremony for this couple. And so the evening before, we were at rehearsal. And so I'm up doing rehearsal, and, and while I'm doing rehearsal, I, I noticed a, a couple, an elderly couple, at the back of the sanctuary. And, and, and they, they, were, um, they were, you know, just, just, I would say this, pretty affectionate, you know, towards each other. And, and I, I'm doing the, doing the rehearsal, but I'm also just kind of watching them. Anybody ever been doing something, but you're also just watching somebody else or something? I was doing that. I'm, so I'm doing the rehearsal, and I would watch them. And they would just seem so, just so happy together. And, and even, you could tell this is later seasons of their life, but they were just like, love being around each other, and you could tell it. So at the rehearsal dinner... Um, as it would happen, I'm sitting next to the gentleman. So we're just, you know, hanging out, and I'm sitting next to him. I'm talking with him. And I, I said, and I honestly, honestly, my conclusion was, when I'm watching them, my conclusion was that they, they might, might be widowed, and they recently got married, and they're like newlyweds, but they're old, you know, kind of a thing. And I thought, isn't that sweet? Isn't that cool? So I had just thinking that, right? And so, so I'm sitting next to the gentleman, and, and I said, hey, I saw both of you. And at rehearsal, you guys just seem like you're so happy. Like you just, just, I said, so how long have you guys been married? And he said, we've been married 54 years. <laughs> 54 years. Now, I had probably been married about 10, 15 years, somewhere right around there at that point. Uh, matter of fact, Stan and I just celebrated this past year, 30 years of marriage, man. And uh, we're grandparents now, and, and she is the hottest CC on the planet, too. Amen. So anyway, I'm getting distracted. But anyway, um, so we're talking. He'd been, so I've I, been married that long. So I asked him, if you're sitting by somebody that's been married that long and they're still happy, right? They're still, they still love being around each other. You should ask them questions, right? If they, so I, I said, I just kind of made this statement, you know, kind of breaking the ice, going into getting some wisdom. Uh, I, I said, so, so you've been married to her this long. That's over five decades. You probably know everything about her, right? He laughed and he said, no, I don't. I said, excuse me? You've been married that long and you don't know everything about her. He said something that was so profound I've never forgotten it because this happened several years ago now. He said, my wife is a believer and she's always changing. And because she's always changing, there's always reason for me to learn something new about her. She's always changing. And there's always, there's always the opportunity for me to know something about her. Why? Because she's what? She's, she's changing. That, that, that's the reason Sandy and I, um, I, I would highly recommend if you're married, you're going to get married wherever you are, I would highly recommend writing down these three questions because they're three questions that I encourage, we've encouraged uh, uh, couples for years to ask throughout their, their life together. And, and that is, uh, how can I be a better friend to you? Just ask each other, periodically ask each other, how can I be a better friend to you? How, how can I be a better spouse? How can I be a better husband? How can, be, how can I be a better wife? How can I be a better lover to you? Because we're always changing. And when you ask a question, you ask the right questions, it opens up the opportunity, gives you the opportunity to learn something new about them. Because as we're going through life together, what happens is we're changing, and those questions will help you discover the changes. So I'm not going to talk about marriage this morning, although some are like, please continue. My husband and my wife really need to hear that. <laughs> I'm not talking about marriage, but I am, I, am, I am going to talk to you this morning about change. So anybody excited about me talking about change this morning? Yeah, let's praise the Lord. 
I'm glad I came to church. So uh, I want to talk to you about four truths concerning change. I talked with Pastor Josh, and he said, hey, this is in the, 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 the direction that we've been, we're, we are going for the next few weeks. And so I, I was thrilled to jump in here. Um, and I really wrestled with, man, there's so much to talk about when it comes to change. And so I just began to pray, God, what, what is it that you want me to say at One Life? And, and so I, I've just gathered four truths about change that I want to present to you this morning. So, hey, you want to open your hearts right now and hear what God has to say, and you want to open your heart and to receive what God has to say, so let's, let's pray right now. Father, we come to you right now, and we just open our hearts to you because, God, we're hungered for you, not just your presence, although that is so, so important to us. We're, we want to hear what you got to say to us. So we, we're, we're here, and our hearts are open because we believe we have ears to hear, and we believe you're going to speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody that agrees, says a great big... Amen. Point number one is this. Point number one is this. Talking about change. change. Sameness is an illusion. Sameness is an illusion. Genesis chapter 8, um, the precedence, the very beginning, first book of the Bible, God established several uh, precedents. Actually, you studied, he, he established several, but since we're talking about change. But he established a precedence. And in Genesis chapter 8, it says, as long as the earth remains, there are going to be seasons. As long as the earth what remains, there's going to be what? There's going to be what? Seasons. How many know about seasons, naturally speaking? How do you know when there is a different season, naturally speaking? How do you know that? Weather, right? Things begin to what? Change. How many, how many likes fall? Huh? I, I, fall is like my favorite time of the year because you're coming out of August and September. You know, it's, it's pretty warm. But then you, you, you wake up one morning, you walk outside, and you can feel just a little tinge of cool air. You know why? why? You can tell, all right, there is a change of season. Excuse me, we're about to enter into a new season because there's what? There is a change, and I can tell a new season is about to begin because I can sense what? A change in the temperature. Well, not only is that true about weather, but it is true about life. As a matter of fact, life is made up of a series of seasons. And with a series of seasons comes the opportunity for change in every season. So what happens, though, in life is that we decide that we like the way that it is. How many have ever got there? Just like, I like my life the way that it is. I want to keep it the way that it is. And I want to keep everything the same. But how many of you do understand that that season that you're in, where you, you, you like it, you know it, everything's the same, it's going to change? And I'm, I'm, I'm in my fifth decade of life this, uh, right now. Just turned 55 not long ago. And, and I, I, I've, I really fight um, being in love with what's familiar. Right? I really fight that because you, the older you get, the more resistant you can become to change. So, but I've determined that, you know what, I, I refuse to live my life uh, believing that everything is going to be the same because the truth is there's always going to be change. Listen to what Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 says. It says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heavens. Again, the writer of Hebrews, Solomon said, uh, there, uh, there is a season, and with season comes changes. Let me, let me just give you a couple, let me give you a couple uh, of thoughts about this. Number one is that no two seasons are the same. How many's ever been through a, how many, how many, uh, there are times in life where you just stop and you reminisce about the good old days? No, nope, nobody does that here. I mean, am I the only one? 
Some are, some are like, I'm just ready for some good days to show up saying I can reminisce about, you know. But, but we, can, we, can, we, can, we can look back and we can go, oh, I, I would love to go back to that time. I would love to go back to the high school days, right? I would love to go back to the college days. I would love to go back to this day or this point in time in my life. But, but the reality is uh, you, you can't go back there. But sometimes what, ha- what happens is that people want to try to recreate this new season. Excuse me, they want to recreate the old season. They want to try to make it happen again, or they want to try to live in that moment again. But, but the time is moving, and things are changing, and, and we have to determine that we're not going to try to recreate a season of the past because it is a new day, people. We, we do that in church. I've been pastoring for this year will be 30 years that we, we've, been, we've been in ministry. And, and, and so, so I, I'm around people all the time. They're like, oh, I just want to go back to when God was doing this. I want to go back to when God was doing this. Well, let me just say this. Hey, it's been good, but how many can believe and how many has the faith to believe God has some things in future for us as the church that are better than anything we ever experienced in the past? Amen? Amen. As a matter of fact, I, I'm convinced of this a lot of times. We don't recognize what God is doing now because we compare it to past seasons. We compare it to past seasons, and most of the time, it's the season in which we came into the body of Christ. Or when we came into church, we were like, I just want it to be like this. I, 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 don't, I, don't, want the, I don't want the cool-looking lights. I, I, don't, I don't want any, any smoke going, because that's not the way it was when I came in to the faith. No two seasons are the, cha- are, 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 are the same. And if we want to believe that seasons are an illusion, we're just really in for a tough time. So, so here, here's, here's, here's the next one. Change is inevitable. Change, change is absolutely, it's inevitable. It's, 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 it's going to happen. Here, here, is, here, is, here is a statement. I've got, got a couple statements about, about this that I want you to listen. It's not what we don't like to change. It's not what we don't like. To change. It's not that we, we don't, we're resistant to change. Because the truth is, we change things all the time. How many, how many knows you can change your mind? If, if you don't believe that, you hadn't been married. Because <laughs> I promise you, you get married, I promise you, you will learn to change your what? Mind. We, we, we change our clothes, we change our hair color and our hairstyle. I, I was talking, this, 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 this guy was talking to me the other day, and, and he's, you know, he's like in his late 30s or whatever, and his hair's starting to gray a little bit. And he said, hey, Pastor John, what do you think about, you know, dudes, dudes coloring their hair? I said, hey, listen to me. Dudes do not color their hair. Dudes do not color their hair. They may camo it a little bit, but they're not, dudes do not color their hair. I mean, they can put a little camo on there and make it look a little bit. Never mind. Anyway, we, 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 we change the paint in our houses. Uh, ladies change purses. I, I am a father of two daughters, which are married now, happy to be married to my wife. And I have learned this, that, that, that ladies are going to change their purses because you got a wintertime purse and you got a springtime purse and you got a summertime purse. And, you know, it's like I never change my billfold, but I, I you know, ladies change their purses and People, people uh, change friends, and sometimes we need to change friends. Sometimes we change cars. We, we take a perfectly good car, we go trade it in on another car because we just won't change. So it's not that we 
we're resistant to change, but we are resistant to change when we can't control it. We're resistant to change when we can't control it. We like change that we can control, but when we, 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 we try to, we're resistant to, to change that we, we, we can't control. So change is inevitable, but listen to me, listen to me. Change is inevitable, but progress is optional. In other words, change is going to happen, but progress in life is, 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 op, is, is optional. Listen. God's plan for our life is linear. It's described as something that's linear, not cyclical. Okay? It's, it's, it's linear. Let me, let me give you a couple of scriptures that prove that out. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we what? We walk by what? Faith. We do what? We, we walk. That's, that's linear. We're walking this way. We're moving, Right? Here, here, here's, a, here's another scripture. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses uh, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Watch this part. And let us what? Let us. Let us what? What is that? That's, that's this. That's moving. It's not going in circles. It's running a straight what? It's running a race. That is how God defines our life. We are moving and we are progressing what? Forward. We're not called to stay in the same place. We're not called to stay in the same season. We are called to move forward. We're called to run our race. You know why? There is a finish line. There's the finish line. You know, recently, in the, uh, sometimes you just get almost like, oh, I don't want to talk about it anymore. And the, but I got to talk about it. I reference COVID, right? How many is just like COVID? Ugh. Right? It's like, as the kids say, I'm over it, right? But, but I, I, I've talked to some church leaders, you know, in the past several months, and they're scratching their head. They're like, what has happened? Because I'm going to tell you something. You guys, you guys are doing good. I, I want you to go ahead and give yourself a hand right now. Just go ahead and give yourself a hand. Go ahead and give yourself a hand. All right. Here's why I'm, I'm asking you to give yourself a hand. There are so many churches that are they're post-COVID. I know we're not completely through it, but we're, we're, they're post-COVID that, that over 50% of their church attendance is gone. That did not happen to this church. I want to commend your leadership. I want to commend you because, God, you are a, you're a rarity today. I mean that. And I, I talk to a lot of leaders. And they're scratching their head trying to go, what has happened? And so I, I've, really, I've really gone to God. And I'm like, God, what is the deal? I mean, what, is, what has happened? And, and it's like God began to talk with me about the finish line and about how that, now listen to me, listen how that we have created a line that's really not God's finish line. Talking about movement, right? Talking about progress. A line that's really not God's finish line. And our finish line for many years now has been this for people. Hey, we just got to get you to come to church. Because if we can get you to come to church, that's really the finish line. We, we, we created that finish line. Now, listen to me. You're like, 
Pastor John, we're not supposed to come to church. I didn't say that. People are like, praise God. That's the best preacher I've ever heard that said we don't have to come to church. I told you, honey, we don't have to come to church. No, no, no. Let me tell you something. You will never be able to do God's will for your life without being connected to a local church. You will never be all that you can be without being connected to a local church. You will never discover God's will for your life if you're not connected to the local church. You will always be very vulnerable to the attack of the enemy if you are not connected to the local church. Amen? You will never discover God's plan for your life if you're not connected to the local church. Amen. All right, so I'm not saying that that, that that is not important. The local church is a part of getting to the finish line. That's the reason I've been saying this. We're not called to come to church. We are called to be the church. Coming to church and being a part is part of being the church. But listen to me, that's not the finish line. In this progress that we're called to be a part of, in this walk of faith that we're called to walk in, and in this race that we're calling to run, the the, the finish line really is not in this life. The finish line is in the life to come when we stand before Jesus Christ and he says, how did you spend your life? And he, you look at, he looks at you and, goes, and, and says to you, you spent your life well because you lived it for me. You allowed me to live through you. That is the finish line. That's the finish line. Because we, but 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 and, and, and a lot of church leadership is like I just want to get, get them in the room. But that, that's that's so much that's part of it, but that's not all of it. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Because sometimes we, we just say, just come to church, promise you life will meet the same. If you just come through the doors, no, you can come through the doors and walk out of the doors, and your life never change. But when you come through the doors, and you purpose in your heart that I'm going to be a part of something bigger than me. And I'm going to quit living for myself, and I'm going to be a part of what God's doing through the local church. I'm going to tell you, there's something supernatural that happens, but there's really something great that happens when you get to the finish line. And when Jesus, the king of kings, the head of the church, looked at you and said, you nailed it. You see, but here's what's been going on. We've been living for the temporary, putting, placing more of a value on the temporary instead of the eternal. I'm telling you, when you begin to think eternally, you're, that's when life really begins to change for you. Are you with me? People, people, what do you mean live eternity? Living with an eternal mindset. Listen, everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Everybody ready for this? You're not going to live forever. People are like, oh, don't say that. I wish you'd be more positive, Pastor John. I'm positive. You're not going to live forever. We just say, you get stuck in this life. And what happens is, watch this, we, we start going instead of this direction and progressing, we start going in a cyclical direction. We start chasing our tails, so to speak. We're, we're going in a cyclical direction. And you know what's happened? What happens when you do that? You get worn out. You get frustrated and you're going, there's got to be more to life than this life. Or you can go on the other side of it and go, I just love going in a cyclical. I love this pattern of going around and repeating things over and over and over. I love that because I'm familiar with it. 
Now resist change. I resist walking in a straight line and walking out God's plan for my life because I am familiar with the cyclical action in my life. Listen, we're not called to walk in circles. We're called to walk out God's plan for our life. We're called to walk by faith. We're called to run the race. Can somebody say amen to that? So God doesn't want his people just walking around. And so if you guys haven't gotten excited about any of them, you're going to get excited about this next part. Are you ready for this? Listen, when I say this, please, do not blow the roofs off this thing and shout. And you're going to be so excited. I mean, listen, I've only got a few more minutes here. And if you you take it up just shouting because you're so excited about this next point, I I won't be able to get it all out. Are you guys ready for this one about change? Here here we go. Change change requires sacrifice. Yes, yes, praise God. Oh, I've been waiting for this point. Isn't that right, brother? That's the one I've been waiting on right there. I like sacrifice. (laughs) Don't worry, Pastor Josh is going to be back next Sunday. So Jesus, a long time ago, defined his terms for following him. Uh, we, we don't really use this terminology a lot, but really I think it's probably one of the most accurate ways to describe our relationship with God, all right? One of the most accurate ways to describe our, our, our fellowship with God or our walking God's plan for our life is that we are called to be a follower of Christ, right? A follower. That means wherever he goes, what? We go. He's in front, we follow And so he defined the terms of following him a long time ago. Listen to me. We don't determine that. We we don't determine that. He's already determined that. And he said that. He defined this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus said to his followers, if anyone, everybody say anyone. How many anyone's do we have in the house? Is there any anyone's in the house? If you're in anyone, go ahead and raise your hand. I'm just going to stay here and keep saying this until I get everybody to raise their hand. If, how many anyone's in the house? Okay. All right, here we go. If anyone wants to be my follower, he must forget about himself. Yes. Forget about myself. Think about somebody else, right? Watch this. He must take up his cross and follow me. He, he defined, he determined the standard. He determined what it's supposed to be like. We don't determine that, ladies and gentlemen. And that's what he said. He said, must take up his cross. No, so, so in Western Christianity in 2022, this take up the cross thing, that seems just like really, that's a cool way to look at following Christ. But if you want to step back in time and you were one of the original folks around him and he said this, they didn't think cool. The, the take up the cross thing, they, they thought sacrifice. They thought something's going to die. Sacrifice. And as Christians, we have a hard time with this one, this sacrifice thing. And the reason we have a hard time with this sacrifice thing is that we don't really understand biblical sacrifice. We don't. Are you ready for this? This is a really great way to understand Jesus' sacrifice. You ready for this? If you've not written anything else down, please write this one down. Don't forget this. Sacrifice is trading something good for something better. Sacrifice is trading something good for something better. So there was a rich young ruler that came to Jesus one day. And 
he said, hey, Jesus, I want some change in my life. I, I want my life to be different. I, I've got money. I've got fame. Everything's great. But there's still something missing. That's the reason he showed up to Jesus. He said, I want to be different. I want, I want what you've got. And Jesus said, okay, you can have what I've got, but here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. You need to do the big ten, ten commandments, all right? You don't need to kill. You don't need to steal. You need to honor your father and your mother. He goes through all of these things, and, and, and I'm sure as, as, as Jesus is going through the list, this young man is doing a mental checkoff, right? He's checking off all different things. Jesus gets to the end, and the young man says, I got it. I've done all of these since I was a kid. Jesus says, yay, I'm still not done. Uh, Jesus is like, I'm just getting warmed up with the Big Ten. Right. And he said, this is what I need you to do. I need to sell what you've got. I need you to give it to the poor. And I need you to take up your cross, and then you can have what I've got, and your life will never be the same. You know, you know what the young man did? Here's, here's what he did. Mark 10, 22. It says, when the man, uh, when the man heard these words, he was sad, and he what? He walked away. Uh, way with sorrow because he had many riches on the earth so what was Jesus trying to do people say well that Jesus was like the number one preacher he was trying to get his money <laughs> there it is like Pastor Brandon was saying earlier right there that Jesus was like preacher number one he's the top dog that's not right calling Jesus anyway Jesus was the man Right. And Jesus, people around were like, yeah, I told you that Jesus, uh, he's just all about trying to get his money. But let, everybody look at me. Jesus was not trying to get his money. Go back and study this and you'll see a little bit later. As Peter and them are stepped back, listen to this. They're, they're just listening to all this. And oh, Pete, man, his, his, his wheels are rolling. Because Jesus made this statement to the young man. And, and after all this went down, Peter lifted up his hand and said, excuse me, Jesus, 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 um, I just want you to know, if you don't recall, we've left everything for you. We've sacrificed everything for you. And Jesus said, you're right. And you know what's going to happen? In this life, you're going to be blessed. And in the life to what? Come, you're going to be blessed. Right? So what was Jesus doing with this, with this rich young ruler? What was he doing? He was trying to get him to trade something good, money, which is good, for what? Something what? better. He was trying to get him to trade his trust in his stuff for a faith walk with Jesus, which would really change his what? Life. Now, I've ran into so many people over the years. They're like, I I really, I really won't change. I really, I really won't change, but, but, but I'm not willing to give up that. I'm really wanting God to, 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 to do something in my life, but I'm, I'm really not willing to give up that. I'm really not willing to sacrifice that. So what they're really saying is that I would rather hold on to this. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but they're, they're wanting to hold on to that when God is really wanting to, them to release that because God's got something better for them. That's change. So if we really want change, I promise you there are times God said, okay, you can have change, but there's, I, I want that. And listen, listen to me. 
Anything that you're not willing to surrender to Him will eventually become a limit. I call it the, the limit and lid principle. Whatever you're willing, not, not willing to give up will eventually become your lid. You'll, you'll hit your head against it over and over. It's like a wall. And, and you're going, God, but I, I thought you were supposed to do something. But, but God, I, I want you to move in my life. And, and God, every time you hit your head, he, he's like, all right, but, but you, I, I want that. You, you got to sacrifice that. But, but God, that's my time. That's my time. God said, I, I want that. But God, th- this, this talent that I've got, yeah, I, I, want, I, want you to, you, I want you to use that for me. Are you tracking with me? Are you with me this morning? I want to wrap up this this morning with this thought. Change begins on the inside. Could I have you come up to the keyboard? Change begins where on the... Starts on the inside. Um, Sandy and I recently were talking to somebody, and and to say they were extremely dissatisfied with their life was an understatement. (laughs) We're talking with them, and... And they're just, they're just extremely dissatisfied with their life. And they're just talking about, you know, they just, just wanted things to change in their life. And they were talking about this and that and this person. And, oh, they did this. And, man, I got to tell you about this part. And, oh, this, but this is happening too. It's the kids and all of these, the job and all of these different things on, on the outside. And I listened uh, patiently, as patiently as I could for, for quite a while and asked a few questions and man, they just kept opening up and talking. And, and finally, I, I said, look, do you really want change for your life? Do you really want change for your life? Oh, yes. Then, then you're going to have to start fighting the right battle because what you're doing is you're fighting the wrong battle. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? What do you mean you're... I'm fighting the wrong battle. I said, you know, I, one of my favorite heroes in the Bible is this guy named David. What made David such a great warrior, a great battle tactician? And, and, and he, he did so well, especially in the earlier part of his life. And I said that the main thing that made him so great is that he knew, he knew which battles to fight. He didn't, he didn't get pulled into the wrong battles. You know, when he, when he stood up and said, hey, I'll go fight Goliath. You know, Goliath wasn't the only battle that day. Right? There, were, there, was, there, was a, there was his brother, Eliab, the older brother. He, he picked a fight with David, but David turned from that one because David was like, I'm not going to in, get involved with that one because that one doesn't really matter. And then his, his own king, Saul, which he respected greatly, he stood before Saul and Saul got, told him, you can't do that. He could have engaged in that battle, but David was like, I'm not going to fight that one either. I, I'm going to go after the one that really matters, and that's Goliath. You see, what happens in life, just like with this person that I mentioned a moment ago, they're always fighting things, that battles and being pulled in, and they're giving their energy and their time and their focus into battles that really don't matter because they are the ones that they can't control. You can't control what people say. You can't necessarily control what people think. You can't necessarily control what people do. You can't control those circumstances. You can't, you can't control the outside. So quit trying to change all of the things on the outside. And if you really, because if you really want change, you've got to begin with change on the inside. 
You see, that, that's what happens. We get caught up in these, these moments. We're going, if this would change, if my job would change, if people on my job would change, if the government would change, if we won't change, but it's all out there, right? But true change, you can go ahead and start. True change begins where? On the what? Inside. Listen to what Paul said in Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. There's the sacrifice thing again, right? Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and your proper worship. Then it goes on to verse 2 and it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Be what? Just change. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Watch this. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, His pleasing, and perfect will. So what Paul is saying here is that if you want change, change doesn't begin on the outside. True change begins on the inside. And he said true change is initiated or it starts when you begin to change what you believe begins to change what you think begins to change regards to your view of you and your life you see the truth is we've all got these patterns of thinking and if these patterns of thinking aren't driven by God's truth it's wrong thinking. And wrong thinking always leads to a wrong perspective and a false perspective. It's not, what's, it's not God's perspective. It's not God's truth in regards to the, what you believe and the way that you see things. But, but when you begin to take God's truth, and this is one of the reasons that being part of a local church is so important. You've got to hear what God says about you not just hear what God says but you've got to daily rehearse that daily begin to say that daily begin to say I'm a new creation in Christ and old things are passed away and everything has become new I've been called by God I've been selected God I've been appointed by God I've been anointed by God to go and make a difference and and, and what happens is is when you begin to take God's truth and take God's word and begin to speak it not just when you're at church but every day what happens is is that this amazing transformation begins to take place and that is that you become acutely aware of God's plan for your life you begin to see that you're called by God, you begin to see that God's got a plan for your life. You begin, you're aware of that all of the time. And so people struggle with that part. What is God's will for my life? What, what is it that I'm supposed to do? Well, here's, here's, here's a good starter. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 said, excuse me, Matthew chapter 5, he said, you're called to be salt. You're called to be light. That's what, that's what you're called to do. Salt and light both make a difference. Anything salt comes in contact with, it, it changes. It makes a difference. Anything light, when it's dark, light flashes. How many have ever been lost in light? You see light. What are you going to do? I'm like you and going to the light. Everybody look at me. There's a world right now that's messed up. It's really dark out there. We're called by God for light to begin to flash because when the light's flashing in the darkness, people begin to come to the light. That is being the church. 
So when you begin to renew your mind and you begin to take God's truth about your, your life and about your world, and it, it just your perspective begins to change. And you begin to be aware of God's will and God's purpose for your life. Your light and your salt. And wherever you are, you know that I'm called to influence this place. Something happened to me. It's been a few weeks ago. It wrecked me. Man, it wrecked me. It's Monday morning, and um, I, I like to be on time. How many, how many people, you like to be on time, like work? Stuff, huh? Others were praying for you? You're the one that drives us crazy, you know, not being on time. So Anyway, I got my schedule Monday morning, jump in my truck, and I know I've got to get gas in my truck, so I leave a little early because I know i got to stop, get some gas, get on to the office. So I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm driving, pull in, get some gas, and, and, and guess what happened? No paper in the fuel dispenser. Now I got to get the receipt. I'm like, they are costing me because there's no stinking paper to get my receipt. So I got to go inside, lock the door, go inside. So I get inside and, and I've got like three people in front of me. So I'm like, Father in heaven. My schedule, my schedule, my schedule. So this is back when we still had masks on. We're supposed to wear masks. So I had a mask on. I'm standing in line. And when I, when I walk in, there were, again, there were three people in front of me. But the, the person that was closest to me, she caught my attention. And what caught my attention about her was that she looked very feeble. It wasn't that she was old. She was just very feeble. And she, she had a little boy, probably five or six years old, and he had a bag of chips. And you could tell he's probably going to school and he's got at least a bag of chips. She's waiting in line. So I'm standing there and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting patiently, as patiently as I can. And when I walked into, I saw somebody else. They were over to the side and it was in the Circle K. And, and you know, they're, they're, she was, they were mopping. And, and so I'm just standing, minding my own business. And then I heard this person to my left say, Pastor John. This person's got a mask on. Pastor John, and I look and I just smile and I'm thinking, I have no idea who you are because you got a mask on, but you know me, right? So she came over and when she came over, as she got closer, I recognized her. She, her name was Mary. I know Mary. Mary goes to the church. I said, girl, what are you doing? She said, oh, I'm just working. It's going to be a great day. And I said, sure it is. She said, how you doing? I said, I'm good. She said, what was going on at church the other night? It's like a Saturday night. We had a different, you know, a, a service that we typically don't have a service on the night. I said, oh, it was, a, it was a, just a great service. And, and she said, well, my sister and I, we, we drove by and we saw the cars in the parking lot and we, we started to come in. And I said, well, you should have. She said, well, we'd have been late. And I said, well, you should have came on in. It was just a great service, a great time. She said, well, we, were, we, we, we wanted to, but my, my sister and I, I want you to know her sister, she's got a twin. She said, we were going to see my mom. My mom, a little older in age, she said, and she, she fell not long ago and she she, she broke a, 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 her limb, broke her arm, and, and she said she's really been discouraged, hadn't been healing up well. So we go over there to her, and, and we just encourage her. We help her. We pray for her. And she, Mary, Mary just gets the preach on. I mean, Mary's about this tall, you know, and she's standing across this little thing from me. And she said, I've been telling her that by the stripes of Jesus that she's healed and that God is working in her body. And I said, go, girl, Mary, that's awesome. And to be honest with you, when this conversation started, I was, and on the inside, I'm like, I got to go, I got to go. But there was something on the inside that was like, no, 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 listen to her, listen to her, listen to her. Pay attention to her. Give her your undivided attention. He said, I'm listening to her, I'm encouraging Mary, that's awesome, but you know, for your mom. Hey, 
Ghost, your ex me. So Mary's telling me this. And the lady in front of her turned, in front of me, turned to Mary and said, would you pray for me? Mary said, yes, ma'am, I'll pray for you. She said, hold on, let me, let me, so the line is working down. She said, let me, let me pay for my, my, my baby's chips. And so she paid for the chips. And so Mary, this is in Circle K, ladies and gentlemen. This is not in church. This is in Circle K, talking about change and perspective and how it changes the way that you think, the way that you view things. So Mary grabbed the lady and they're walking right over to the side. This is for everybody. Circle K. And I heard Mary say, sweetheart, what is your name? And I heard the lady say, my name is Nancy. So Nancy and Mary stood over and I could hear Mary begin to pray for her right there in Circle K. And I had to get my receipt and get out of there because I was about to lose it. And so somebody, if somebody was standing in that room and they, they would probably thought, why didn't they get the minister to pray? Because she called me Pastor John. Everybody in there knew that I was a pastor. Why didn't they get, why didn't Nancy get the minister to pray? The minister was standing right behind her. But you know, the truth is, she did ask the minister to pray. She asked Mary to pray. The Bible says that the church is in, in, in leadership and pastors are equipped, are there to equip the saints for the work of the what? The ministry. That Mary in Circle K saw herself as a minister. Man, I drove away just like, that's what it's supposed to look like. That's what it's supposed to look like. And you know the reason that went down that morning? Is because Mary had taken God's truth and got it on the inside of her. And she didn't see herself just as an employee of Circle K. She saw herself as a minister that just happened to be placed in Circle K. I can tell you what happened that day. God looked at Mary. He smiled. He said, Mary pleases me, is pleasing me right now. Mary's doing my will. Mary is salt and Mary is light. And I can tell you, when she stands before Jesus Christ, when she stands before Jesus Christ, he's going to say, Mary, you nailed it. You nailed it. I can tell you, I can tell you, you will never be more satisfied. You will never be more content. You will never be more happy with your life than when you see yourself as God sees you. When that change begins to happen on the inside, you quit griping about your job. You quit griping about politics. You quit griping about all that stuff becomes so small in light of eternity and what God's called us to do in making a difference.
So what's God saying? What's God saying this morning? God is saying this. God is saying that change is going to happen. Change is going to happen. Change is inevitable. But will you progress with God's call for your life? Will you allow God's truth to dominate your thought life and begin to change your perspective and get over all the temporary garbage that's happening going, all the temporary things are nothing more than distractions. And let him begin to change the way that you believe and the way that you think and the way that you see yourself and that you begin to start making a difference in the world around you. Quit complaining about it and start changing it because change begins on the inside. You'll never be more satisfied. You'll never be more content than when you're walking out the will of God that comes when you choose to change.